Epiphany was actually yesterday, but it has become the custom in the church worldwide to celebrate it on the Sunday nearest to it. Epiphany marks the end of the Christmas season. The decorations are all down, or at least they should be. At Epiphany, we think of the visit of the wise men, though it would, of course, have been later than 12 days after Christmas. You can listen to my Christmas podcast if you want to know more. The coming of the wise men symbolizes the coming of Gentiles to faith in Christ. St. Paul writes about this in the second reading this morning. We all know the story of the wise men. We are less familiar with its meaning. We take it for granted nowadays that the gospel is for everyone, not just for the Jewish people, but for all people. St. Paul, however, in our reading, describes the inclusion of the Gentiles as a mystery. Now, St. Paul uses the word mystery not in the sense of an Agatha Christie novel, a mystery that can be solved by a clever detective and human ingenuity, but a mystery in the sense of something which is hidden, which can't be understood, but which has to be revealed, revealed, that is, by God Himself. It needs an epiphany, something which opens our eyes so that we can see. St. Paul writes that the mystery has been made known to him by revelation. As he says, it also was to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery, he writes, was not made known to former generation. So what is the big deal? Well, in the Old Testament, it is God's chosen people, the Jews, to whom all God's promises are made. There is talk in the prophets of Gentiles believing and worshipping the true God, but they do so as Gentiles, as outsiders. God's chosen people remain the Jews. The mystery made known by Revelation, however, is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus. That is, they are now in every way equals to the Jewish people. How do they become equals? In the same way the Jews themselves now come to God, through the gospel. Of this gospel, St. Paul writes, he has become a servant according to the gift of God's grace. It was given to him, he writes, to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. This single idea is the key to understanding St. Paul's life, mission, and teaching. It's the key to understanding his letters and indeed the history and development of the early church. For anyone who will be taking my course at Minghua this coming semester, we'll be talking a lot about this. St. Paul was charged with the task and responsibility of telling the Gentiles what God had 
for them. St. Paul was entrusted by God, he writes. He describes it as being commissioned by God. God's grace, he says, was given to me for you, that is, for the Gentiles. Well, as we read this passage from the third chapter of Ephesians, we should notice St. Paul's emphasis on grace. He was given a commission of grace. He became a servant according to the gift of God's grace. This grace was given to him. It is by grace that St. Paul preaches a gospel of grace. So the obvious question is, what is grace? Well, grace, quite simply, is a gift. A gift given to us freely, something that we neither merit or earn. Indeed, St. Paul and the whole New Testament assumes that we do not deserve anything from God except judgment. The gospel, the good news concerning Jesus, is that we can be saved from the judgment we deserve by God's grace for no other reason than God grants it out of love through faith in Jesus. There could be no better message, could there, at the start of a new year than this. God offers us here today the chance to share in the promise in Christ Jesus, to become members of his body, heirs to all that is promised. St. Paul says he was given the role of taking the news of the boundless riches of Christ to the Gentiles, and this is the news we are being given today at the start of a new year, the boundless riches of Christ. Well, imagine for a moment being told that you had just inherited a fortune. How would you feel? How would any of us feel? We'd feel elated, excited. And yet, this is precisely what St. Paul writes has happened to us. So how do we feel? not much different, to be honest. It doesn't much move us. We sort of take it for granted, if we take it at all. And this is the problem. For firstly, we do not take it, either because we do not believe it or are not interested in it, or secondly, because we don't think we have to do anything. It's ours anyway. What's all the fuss about? For very good motives, the church in recent years has focused on the unconditional love and acceptance of God. We have taken seriously the message that God's love is for everyone and not just the chosen few. We've preached that whatever people have done, whoever they are, wherever they're from, God loves them. God's love isn't exclusive, it's inclusive. It's universal. This idea of the unconditional universal love and acceptance of God is now central to the church's message and mission. So central that you will find it stated on every church website. If you don't believe me, randomly pick a church in any country in the world, go on its website, and you will find this stated in one way or another. 
And it is because we have been at pains to tell people that they don't have to do anything to be loved by God, that we have stressed that we don't have to do anything ourselves to earn or receive God's grace. And it's here we made a fatal mistake. Because while there is nothing we can do to deserve God's love, we do have to receive it. Notice the phrase in verse 12. It's through faith in Him. You may remember the story of when St. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy go to Philippi. St. Paul and Silvanus are imprisoned in uh, the jail in Philippi, and at night there's an earthquake. St. Paul and Silvanus have the opportunity to go free, but they remain. The Philippian jailer sees them, and he says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? St. Paul and Silvanus don't reply by saying, Nothing, you're saved already. They say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and all your house. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, have faith in Christ. Tragically, we are being encouraged to perpetuate the lie that we are all saved regardless of whether we have faith or not. Now, I used to be of the opinion that this, it didn't really matter if people believed this. As long as people had faith, it didn't matter what they believed happened to other people. I'm now of the opinion that this idea that we're loved by God regardless of whether we have faith or not, and we don't have to do anything, is at the heart of many of the problems facing us as a church. There is an extreme version of grace that insists that if we require faith of people, we make faith itself into a work, something that we can be praised for. Grace doesn't stop being a gift once we open the gift. God's grace is not conditional on anything we do, but whether we experience God's grace is. And many cannot be bothered with God's grace. Faith is out of fashion. It can be depressing, can't it? Not only are people not interested, but increasingly are deliberately abandoning faith altogether. That's the number one story in churches in the West. St. Paul writes that he has been given God's grace to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. The task that was given to St. Paul to take the news of the boundless riches of Christ to people has now been given to us. And it is what God is calling us to do as a church as we enter a new year. It is what we pledged ourselves to do on Pledge Sunday, back on the second Sunday of Advent. But St. Paul adds another phrase that is very easy to miss. He writes in verse 10 that through the church, 
the wisdom of God in its rich variety might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That through the wisdom of God might be known the riches of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let me ask a question. What do America, Russia, Taiwan, India, the UK, and the Solomon Isles have in common as we enter 2024? Anyone know? They're all having elections this year. In fact, 49% of the world's population will go to the polls this year. This year is election year uh, unlike any, any other. It's estimated that polls will be held in 64 countries this year. That's a staggering statistic. But it gives us the impression, all this talk about electing rulers, that it is the rulers and authorities of this world who count and it is the rulers and authorities of this world that we have to fear. Those in power, those who rule and have authority, certainly think they are the ones who matter, which is why, like President Putin and King Herod before him, they are so anxious to hang on to power. It's interesting how many scientists, philosophers, politicians, all share the same basic world view. And that is, we are encouraged to believe that this world is all there is, so that what happens in it matters more than anything. And we, of course, matter most. But St. Paul would tell us that this world is not all there is, and we are not the center of it. Rather, there is a spiritual dimension that we ignore at our peril. St. Paul writes that the wisdom of God in all its rich variety should be made known to the rulers and authorities, not in this world, but in the heavenly places. We like to think we are so wise, so clever, but while we continue in unbelief, while we persist in this belief that this world is all there is, we simply demonstrate our ignorance and foolishness. We need to see that God is the creator of all things and that God is the center of all things. And it is only when we come to know Him that we find our own place in life and in this world. In other words, before we finally leave Christmas behind, we need an epiphany. Like the wise men, we need to see the child with Mary, his mother, and kneel down and pay him homage, kneel down in worship. For it is only when we kneel down in worship before the child and his mother that we will be ready to get up and get on with what 2024 has to offer. St. Paul writes, 
that is, it is in him, in this child, whose birth we have been celebrating this Christmas season, that we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him, through faith in Christ. And so, at this, the start of a new year, may God grant us an epiphany. May God grant us to see the child with Mary, his mother, and through faith, come to him. Amen.